Hello, and welcome to the Heaven Bound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple in the 21st century. Thanks for joining us on the journey. This month, we've been talking about the hard sayings of Jesus. And what makes them hard is not they are big words and they're hard to pronounce. They're hard because they involve application and us doing what the Lord wants us to do. And so in our very first uh, part of this series, the first of the month, we talked about no one can put his hand to the plow and look back is fit for the kingdom. Our second lesson, we talked about how in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says two times, you cannot be my disciple unless certain things happened. And so, again, the uh, the hard sayings of Jesus. Uh, our third lesson was about the statement Jesus says uh, about eating my flesh and drinking my blood and how, that, how bizarre that must have sounded to the people back then. But there was a saying that Jesus wanted us to get there. Last time we talked about the powerful saying, turn the cheek. Someone slaps you on the right side of your cheek, you turn to him the other also. And those are difficult sayings. And, you know, whether we, we talk about these in a sermon or a Bible class, they're, they're hard to get across to people. In our culture today, they're very, very difficult to apply. And so in our final segment today, we want to look at one more that uh, we classify as a hard saying of Jesus. There's a lot to choose from. But in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? It comes in a uh, a very familiar-sounding message to the Sermon on the Mount that Matthew records for us in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Luke tells us up in Luke chapter 6, right around verse 17, that Jesus is standing on a level place with a great crowd of his disciples. And he goes on over the course of the next several paragraphs to deliver much the same sort of teaching as the Sermon on the Mount. It gives us the idea that even though some of these sayings were hard, Jesus was repeating them at various times in various settings. He was not afraid to call people to do the hard things that would lead to life. So this verse that we're basing this podcast on, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say, is presented as a question. Jesus is asking that to the audience. Why do you call me Lord? And you don't do what I say. And so let's begin, first of all, by answering the Lord's question. And from that, we'll kind of stretch this a little bit and talk about some things that I think are helpful for us. But why would somebody say, Lord, Lord... And not do what Jesus says. Yeah. Well, uh, because I want something from him, right? <laughs> or because I, I need something from him. We re- get reminded of that principle maybe at times even in our own homes. You know, you, you, you have a daughter at home. I'm not going to name any names, but you have a daughter at home and, and they really want something. And so they are really sweet in that moment. Roger, I'm guessing you remember scenes like that. We all know what it is to, okay, I want something, I need something, and so I'm going to do whatever I have to do 
in the moment to get this person of influence or authority. They have something that I need to give me what I'm looking for. Problem that Jesus diagnoses is I can have that attitude towards God and my heart be far from him. And I think another way people say this, Lord, Lord, and do not do what Jesus says, it's easy to say that. Yeah, It's easy to say, Lord, Lord. Now, doing what he says, that's, that's going to be kind of hard. I mean, I got to get out of my chair and I got to be what Jesus wants me to be. I may have to change my character. I may have to be kinder. I may have to be forgiving people. Oh, it's so easy just to say, Lord, Lord. But then to do what Jesus says, that's not as easy as just saying those words. We know in the pages of the New Testament, there were those who invoked the name of the Lord for their own personal gain, right? In uh, that somewhat parallel account of Matthew chapter 7, right around this idea is there will be some, Jesus said, who say on the great day of judgment, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name. Makes me think of that magician in Acts named Simon, who when he saw that by the laying on of the apostles' hands, incredible miracles could be performed, hey, I'll give you a little bit of money and show me how in the name of the Lord... I could get some attention for myself. That is not what Jesus is looking for. And I think yet another reason why people may say, Lord, Lord, and don't do what Jesus says is because they think that's enough. All I have to do is say the, say the name Lord and, and everything's taken care of. Just call out Lord, Lord, just call out Jesus, and and everything is just magically taken care of. And I don't change my life. I don't worship him. I just go on my own way. But whenever I'm in a mess, whenever I need him, I just reach out and say, Lord, Lord, and that's all I have to do. And Jesus is telling us in this verse right here uh, that there are things that he has said that he expects us to do. And so what follows this here in Luke 6 is is uh, we know it so well from the Matthew account, and that's the wise man and the foolish man. He says in verse 47, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, to act on them is to do what God has said. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and it could not shake it because it had been well built. But the man who has heard and has not acted accordingly, that's a man who's saying, Lord, Lord, but it's not doing what Jesus says, is like a man who built his house on the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst against it, and immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. And so what Jesus is driving at here is the emphasis is upon not just listening to Jesus, not just reading your Bible, but now taking those words and put them in your life and make a difference. Yeah, in the lives of both of these hypothetical people, the floods rise, right? And the the streams break against the house of someone's life. But 
What a powerful way of teaching me. Okay, when difficult times come, I remember grandma believed in Jesus and and dad loved Jesus and mom talked about Jesus, but I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Life is hard. I just need to call out and Jesus will do whatever it is I want him to do. And if he doesn't, I'll be angry with him. Well, Tough times come in everybody's lives. If we live long enough, whether I love Jesus or not, whether I'm a disciple of Jesus or not, tough times are going to come. The difference is, is there a foundation? When the floods rise and the winds blow and the streams break against a house, is there a foundation? And Jesus is connecting Doing what I say, Jesus, doing what he says, will I practice that? When I practice it, a foundation is being laid. Now, Roger, when you hear that, what what sort of foundation are we talking about? How does practicing Jesus's words create a foundation in my life? Well, first of all, we're talking about character. So Jesus is talking about rebuilding your character. And it's going to be a character shaped after Jesus. It's going to be a character of kindness. It's going to be a character of faith and trust in God. And it's going to be a character that's willing to do what the kingdom wants us to do and to be engaged in such things. It's it's going to be shaped by the decisions we make. And so when Jesus tells us that, that here we are, we need to be doing certain things. And it's going to be illustrated by the walk I have with God. And so this foundation in Jesus, now the storm still came, as you said. It didn't keep the storms away. It didn't blow the wind the other way. It kept, the wind still came, but the man was able to stand because he had something other than himself. He had God and he had trusted God and he stands upon the words of God. And so he remembers in our Bible, there are fiery furnaces and there are lion's dens and there are prisons and there are Babylonians and there are Egyptians and there are all kinds of powerful, powerful forces against us. But God is there and God is always triumphant and his trust is not in himself, but in the God who he believes in. That's the foundation. So come what may, I walk with God. I will stand with God. And those, those are, I think, some of the elements we're looking at with that. All right. So let's, let's not take for granted this idea, Lord. You know, I'm afraid sometimes we throw around Lord Jesus Christ as if we're talking first name, middle name, last name. Jesus is his name. Christ refers to uh, his royal lineage. He's the anointed heir of David, right? The, the deliverer of Israel. Let's try and make this as practical as possible. When we refer to Jesus as Lord, and more importantly, when we live as if he is our Lord, what's that mean? Well, it's, it's the idea that he is the authority. He is the king. And so, you know, he was crowned Lord Jesus Christ. He, he is 
proven by God, by his works, by his sinless life, by the miracles that he did, that he is the authority. He is Lord of heaven and earth. That means he has the ultimate authority. He stopped storms. He raised the dead. He got leprosy out of people. He he got demons out of people. He could do all things. And so when we call him Lord, it means he's in charge. He's first. He's foremost. He is the one whose will comes before all wills. What he says is more important than what I think. What he says is going to be the way it's going to be. And people may try to say things about him. People may try to move forces against him. But the will of God always is triumphant. And the reason is he is the Lord. All right. And so maybe that's why this is such an appropriate note to end this tough sayings of Jesus series on. Because, I mean, we looked at one or two of them that really were kind of tough to understand. I, If someone were to say to me, unless you eat my flesh and drink my my blood, you cannot be my disciple. I That would make me scratch my head, uh, especially if I were living 2,000 years ago. That's that that's a tough saying. And there, there are some other things. I mean, why would I allow anybody to slap me on my right cheek and then turn my cheek to him? But it strikes me, Roger, that this phrase, this sentence from Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? The reason that's tough is I like being the Lord. (laughs) I don't want someone, when push comes to shove, to tell me what I must do. Don't you get the sense that That is the tough territory that many people struggle with in the 21st century. That statement really is kind of a paradox because if you call him Lord, Lord, then you're letting him be the Lord, Lord. Yeah. But if you call him Lord, Lord, but you're not doing what he says, you really have not made him Lord. You've said those, you've said these empty words. You said the words, but you don't act like it. You don't mean it. And so for Jesus to be the Lord of my life, he comes first. There is a priority here. There is an order of things. And so when the Lord says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, well, that's not after I finish my ball game and I do this and I do that. And then if I got any left over time, no, first means first. And, and what a lot of this comes down to, and this, this is where it's a difficult statement in our culture of America today is we, we park our cars, we live our houses on something that's called, if I feel like it. <laughs> and if I feel like it, I'll do it. If I don't feel like it, I won't. So if I don't feel like talking to you, I won't. If I don't feel like being nice, I won't. And no one can force me to do it. No one can change me from that. And what's interesting, all through the scriptures, God never asked somebody, how do you feel about this? He never said to good old Noah, you know, every human being outside your family is going to drown. How do you feel about that? He didn't ask him that. He didn't tell Daniel, you're going to go in a lion's den. How do you feel about that? He didn't even say to Jesus, you're going to go to the cross. By the way, how do you feel about that? How we feel is secondary. Following the will of God is first. So what does that mean? There are days I don't, I may not feel like going to worship services. I just don't feel like it today. I just want to stay home. I want to stay in bed. But I'm going to get up. Why? Because he's Lord. Lord, Lord. There are days when, you know, I really need to go out of my way and apologize, but I don't want to apologize. 
but I'm going to. Why? Because he's Lord, Lord. There's, there's times when somebody comes to me and asks for forgiveness, but I want to just smack that guy. I don't want to forgive him, but I will. Why? Because he's Lord, Lord. That's what this all means. If Jesus is truly the Lord of my life, what he says comes first. Well, and we have talked in other contexts, and I, I believe it. I, I see the evidence in my own life. I've seen it in, in other people's lives. If we will put the following first, the feelings can be awakened. They can be realigned, as we've talked about here recently, and they can be made to follow, right? We, we live in a culture, we, we live in a society where we are consistently fed, just be yourself, follow your heart, do your thing. The, the testimony of Scripture is, no, eternal life comes from learning of Jesus, following Jesus, even when I don't feel like it. And if I will take him at his word, I'll, I'll not just call him Lord, but do what he says. The feeling can follow, right? The zeal can be ignited it is a decision. It seems like, Roger, several of the things we've talked about here recently, really when push comes to shove, we end on, okay, this is going to be a choice. Absolutely. And it's not an easy choice. That's why this is a tough saying. Now, let me throw you a verse, and there's two two thoughts out of this verse I want, to, I want us to, uh, to look at. This is from the book of James, very similar to what Jesus said in Luke 6, but James chapter 1, verse 22, but prove your Yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Now, the two thoughts I want to consider of this verse is first of all, how does one prove himself a doer of the word? And when one doesn't do what the word says, how does he delude himself? Yeah, it makes me think of Hebrews 11, the way that these different men and women who acted by faith, there are verbs attached to, right? By faith, Abel offered. By faith, Noah built. By faith, Abraham left and went. And on and on and on it goes. How do I show myself a doer of the word? Well, I I. Act. I hear the word. I believe the word. I, I want to honor and respect and reverence the giver of the word. And so I'm going to act. I'm going to do what he's calling me to do. Otherwise, that's, that's where he would describe my actions, even my worship as vain, as empty, because I'm not doing what he tells me to do. Absolutely. So, so it's easy, just as we said, to say, Lord, Lord, it's easy to say, I'm a Christian, but you don't do anything. And so what James is saying is that you're not just saying I'm a disciple of Jesus. You're not just saying I follow the Lord. You prove it. And it's going to be shown by your choice of words. It's going to show by your modesty or the lack of modesty. It's going to be shown by your attitude. It's going to be shown by your interactions with others. All of these are reflected in doing the word, uh, doing what the word says. Now, what does he mean at the end of this verse? And not merely hearers who delude themselves. Yeah, I mean, I would lean on his next couple of sentences. When I hear the word, the word is naturally going to serve as a kind of mirror. 
And, you know, Roger, you and I, we see each other relatively early in the morning, just about every morning. But both of us, I know, look in the mirror before we get here, right? Neither one of us show up to the office having not looked in the mirror. And when we see ourselves in the mirror, we see what needs attention. Now, deluding myself would be looking in the mirror, seeing what needs attention, turning around, walking away from the mirror, not doing anything, and acting like it's all good. It's like waking up in the morning with that bed hair, and you go through the, the day with bed hair. And you, <laughs> yeah. People look at you and say, why didn't you comb your hair, man? You just, your hair's going every different direction there. And you saw it. But you didn't do anything about it. Yeah. And that's why he's driving that. So that's what Jesus is asking in that question there. You call me Lord, 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 but you don't do what I say. Why do you do that, Jesus says? You would think if you're going to call me Lord, you're going to do what I say. And if you're not going to do what I say, then don't call me Lord. It's one or the other. But they were trying to merge the two together, and they simply do not fit together. Tough sayings of Jesus. As you mentioned, Roger, I mean, we could go on and on. Jesus, as we've noted, is not afraid to stretch us because he loves us. He's not afraid to challenge us because he knows that we can grow, right? And so we've isolated five. There are many more, but we hope that these have challenged you. Could we encourage you Don't shy away from challenging statements of Jesus. Don't shy away from challenging books of the Bible. God's word is living and active. It is able to step on our toes, to show us the right way, to teach us how to get on the right way and how to stay right. And so we appreciate you joining us in this series. One more reminder, we're going to take a two-week fall break. Lord willing, our next episode will show up in your podcast feed on Monday, October 17th. In the meantime, Roger, thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound podcast. We hope it's helped you set your mind on things above, given you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember, when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven-bound, and the best is yet to come.